set up. We're good. All right. Welcome to the Gen Z Stoic Podcast, Episode 7 on labels, both from society and labels that you give upon yourself and others, and how they restrict your potential. I'm your host, Ren. And I'm your host, Mateo. And let's get right into today's topic. So today, um, we're going to be, you know, if you're a new listener, we encourage you to listen to our previous episodes. Uh, We've touched base on a few um, issues already that we believe are helpful to this generation. And then also, we, before we begin, we would like to give a shout out to discoverpods.com. We were mentioned in the top 11 podcast for the Stoic Philosopher, and we will put the link in the description. So if you want to go check that out, that would be amazing. Yeah, big accomplishment for us. We're both very proud of what we've done so far. Excited it's, to continue. It's been cool. To, and we were in uh, in this article, we're in, a, in there with some pretty big name podcasts like yeah. the Daily Stoic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a pretty big achievement. But enough on that. Let's, uh, let's get into the meat of today's episode. All right, labels. Um, this is something that was, I'll admit, it's primarily Mateo's idea and something Mateo, I think, has more experience with me. I live a pretty retracted life, so I haven't had as many labels thrown on me, I would say. But today we're going to talk about why, especially to our audience, Gen Z, high school, college, labels have huge applications. Like, yeah. there is no other setting, I would say, maybe except for, like, a work environment mm-hmm. where labels play a bigger role than a school environment um and so we're gonna after we talk about the applications obviously we're gonna boil it down into two kind of scenarios external where labels kind of imply societal norms and your circumstance for example outside expectations Mm -hmm. just how kind of those outside labels that you were given affect you whether it be rumors friend groups all of that kind of stuff and then secondly internally Mm -hmm. how you react or how you yourself are giving labels to other people and how that restricts your growth and it restricts your process and how it really is projection more than anything sure yeah so i think the first so we were going to talk about applications first um especially in today's society and in our generation because when we are more immature we tend to judge quicker uh use labels more and categorize people so for example if we were to see somebody on the street um just doing something that we didn't agree with we might label them as stupid or dumb Mm -hmm. right but I think, unfortunately, with it's very applicable as well in the high school realm and, and that area. We see, the, we see the same people every day, at least in our high school. We're in a relatively small high school of like 1,100 kids comparatively. So it's very easy to judge people and categorize people, put them into groups, right. and just label them under one thing only. Well, I think we see too often, and it might be personal bias, but we see too often people are like, Oh, did you hear, you know, this person did this, they have right. to be this then. Like, you know, sure. it's that label of like, what you see one action or you hear one story and you categorize right. them as something. And I think certainly maturity is a factor for that. And it's also just like the close proximity, like you said, I think close proximity breeds the fact that you need to make things up to, you know, keep things interesting or you need to make things up to just kind of bring things to your life that, and incite that drama that we've talked about before right. is meaningless. Well, especially with that too, is like, like you said, oh, they've done this or they did this, so they must be this. Well, it's also like, you know, I feel like everybody knows a lot about everybody in a smaller town and community. And so if you've done things in your past, it's a lot harder to be forgiven for those things and accepted that you've changed when those labels have been put on you. Right. And we'll talk about it with external in terms of shedding labels. but And I think it's not just small town. Like I think high school... 
is certainly a place where day to day you're with the same people, you're with the same groups, and you kind of want to use that judgment. And I think part of the maturation process is realizing that, you know, maybe I shouldn't judge those people as quickly. Maybe I shouldn't categorize that person into this group. Like maybe labels aren't the best thing, but we're here to help out the people who maybe we're not calling you immature. That's certainly we're not doing anything like that, but we're just saying, I think, I think immature would just be more of like a term that describes the lack of life experience. And just the like the lack of perspective. Right. We certainly yeah. lack perspective in certain areas, but I think we've both used labels in the past, and we've come to realize that labels have no place in terms of the life of a Stoic living a life of virtue, and we'll go over why that is. But I want to bring up what I think would be a common example. I think we talk a lot of the times on this podcast in a broad sense, but one of the common examples of labels, especially prominent in a high school scenario, is friend groups. I right. think... You go to school every day and you're like, oh, who's that? Well, you don't, you don't say that, but, you know, it's he or she is part of the popular kids or it's part of the kids who play this or it's part of the kids who... Or the weird kids or right. the quiet kids. And yeah. it boxes people in. I, everybody, I think, realizes this, but it boxes people in. And from a stoic perspective, if you're constantly growing and you want to grow with people, you can't box people in because, sure, exactly. that person may affiliate themselves with popular kids. Right. Sure, they might play a certain sport. But if you think about yourself... You're not one thing. Exactly. Yeah. No person is just one thing. And so if you don't want to think about other people first, as with anything in stoicism, start with yourself and think about how, you know, I check this box, this box, and this box. Like, I have a variety of interests. Mm -hmm. That person probably has the same thing. And so labels don't apply. And I think friend groups is one of the most prominent and relatable examples to that because you see friend groups every day and you see those friend groups kind of block in. And we're going to talk about how labels kind of inhibit growth and exactly locking into those friend groups is just an example of that. right but we'll, we'll definitely touch on that later like how a label uh describing someone that kind of implies permanence like a lack of the ability to grow or evolve which is a common um theme of stoicism that we talk about a lot it's just constantly evolving and growing and i feel like you're totally right when you give something a label you're kind of um restricting it like we've said uh you're uh, you're it's unallowed dis- to to change from what that was unless you change your perception of it your your label Mm -hmm. then it will change but unless you see it as the same thing then you're almost allowing it to always be the same well it's as a stoic how do you change your label because a lot of the times your label is outside of your control we talked about um in past episodes how you can't control how other people perceive you so you just control how you perceive yourself so again we'll, we'll get into that about how the perception matters and how it's outside of your control but Ultimately, what we're trying to say is that labels definitely are hurtful, but to a Stoic, you both don't use them, and you don't really care about them because you recognize that what you are doing, you recognize within yourself that you check a wide variety of boxes, you have a wide variety of interests, you're a well-rounded person, and you don't really care what those people think. You only care about what the people who have value and who matter to you. Exactly. Like, you don't... um when you're is a stoic and you see someone you don't label them but you, that doesn't mean you're not cautious or you don't make like initial judgments that's human nature but you don't put like a permanent label about this person what they are especially if you don't know enough about them and then like you said with yourself you're not going to care what other people think of you because as long as you're aware of your capability and ability to evolve and grow then it doesn't matter how other people see you but unfortunately in you know, like we were talking about in high school, many people are either torn down by labels or rumors, or they try to live up to them as they grow up. So 
I mean, if you were labeled, I mean, I know for you, actually, people see you as kind of like a quieter kid. They, they, they would label you as a quiet kid. And I know that doesn't affect you. Well, for me, and like, I'll be completely honest, I'll be vulnerable here. When I started going to therapy um, back in May, and I think we'll do an episode on therapy and why, I mean, you may have a different perspective, but um, why therapy is valuable even to a stoic. One of the things that I struggled with was the fact that it wasn't the quiet kid label, it was the fact that all I was known for was my intelligence. Mm. Um, and it, it still is the case. But what I've learned both through therapy and through going through stoicism is to um, not really judge that. Like, you can turn anything into a positive, right? Sure. Um, being known as an intelligent kid, it, A, isn't a bad thing, and right. B, like, that that's what you're known for. People see me as one thing, and that means that I get to, you know, move in silence and do my own thing, and people probably won't assume that I'm doing that thing. It's something that takes a lot of, you know, growth. It takes a long time. Like, it took me months to figure out that how do I spin this as a positive, like, because I get it. Like, you, you grow tired of being known as one thing, it's frustrating to hear somebody be like, oh, there's the smart kid or there's the kid right. who's really good at this. And like certainly like celebrate that, celebrate what you're mm -hmm. good at. But it's frustrating because you're seemingly pounding your head against the wall, against the label that you aren't and that you want people to recognize that right. you are more than that. And so, like I said, what I did, I talked through it. I kind of read about stoicism and I read about things that are outside of my control. And I also found people who recognized that I was more than that. You're one, you're one of the few people at our school who recognizes me as more than that. And it's one of the many reasons why you're one of my closest friends. I think that ultimately it ties again back into friends and who you surround yourself with. Sure. People who you surround yourself with won't really um, assess you that label. If they're a good friend, they'll assess you the label of a close friend. Right. But they won't label you as one thing until they get to know you. And then they're going to label you as multiple things because you are. And that's the thing as well like you said i would label i would label you as a close friend and that's the thing too i don't think all labels are necessarily harmful i think labels do provide structure and um me they, they they put meaning on everything that you label but labeling you as a close friend doesn't mean i i think i only see you as a close friend i think that's more just um showing you that i trust you because that's what it means mm -hmm. to us well there's a difference between socially labeling somebody and you know, grouping somebody into the qualities that you like about them. Obviously, for us, close friends have the same values we do, and so it's important to categorize that person. And I think we've kind of talked about how you can be torn down by labels, and mm -hmm. you also mentioned how you try to live up to them, and I think right. an important analogy to use is, like, superlatives. I think, I don't know if our school does superlatives. We do, we do, we do. yeah. yeah. Um, and, again, this was a relapse from, this was a relapse from, a traditional stoic value but when we voted on our superlatives i was in the race for like most likely to be successful right and i didn't really put stock into it but for me i used it as motivation because i don't think i won i'm not really sure but i don't think i won yeah um I but i was like sure. oh, okay you know they're saying that i'm not the most likely to be successful mm -hmm. then i'm gonna go show them and you know certainly there's value to using things as motivation but it's superlatives like that that are absolutely meaningless. Like, right. and I, I'm building off what you said, I got was the biggest flirt with this other person in our grade. But I think, again, that is an interesting label to have because, from my perspective, I like to think that I try to treat everybody with kindness, mm -hmm. and I try to have real conversations with everybody. I hate service le or surface level 
yeah. talk. I think it's pointless. And as a stoic, you know, I try to find value and purpose in everything that I do. So when I meet people or see people, you know, I just try to be as kind and as engaging with them as possible. Then again, like you, we're going to jump into this in a second, but with external labels, when outside factors are labeling you as, oh, like you're just flirting with all these people, you know, no, I mean, it doesn't really bother me because I know what my intentions are. But then again, it, it is easy to let that bring you down and affect you and make you think, am I really doing this? Well, and, and that's the conversation of perception versus your inner reality. Like what people are seeing, what people are labeling are just their perception of you. Mm-hmm. So why should their perception take precedence over what you think of yourself? Sure. If for to use your example, if you know that your intentions are pure and that you're just trying to be kind and nice and people are interpreting that as flirting, so be it. Because so be you know it. that mm-hmm. um, what your intentions are. And you're not going to let other people's perceptions change your actions or your intentions. Exactly. That's that's the thing. I feel, and that goes back to what we were saying about um, being torn down by these things. As long as you know what you want and what your purpose is, you're not going to allow other people, other people's opinions, to bring you down. So, yeah. Well, um, we've been vulnerable. We've given real life examples. We kind of talked about the applications. So before we get into um, both our advice and our observations about labels. Let's have a little fun section. Fun section. So again, uh, as aforementioned in our previous episodes, we have a guest spot giveaway that'll be coming up relatively Very soon. soon. Yep. Um, the way to enter your spot into this random selection is to engage with all of our uh, channels. So subscribe, comment on our YouTube video, uh, follow our Instagram, follow our TikTok, and um, just engage with us because ultimately, like we always preach, we think that your engagement is ultimately part of the foundation of this podcast and helping us grow and produce. We want to help you guys as much as you guys want to listen. So, you know, having feedback, whether it's good, bad, critical, constructive, we we accept it all and we appreciate it. So today's um, topic for the fun section is if we could travel back in time or forward in time to one place, where would it be? So, what's yours? So, um, it kind of feels like it's cliche or that I'm just kind of relating it back to the podcast, but I truly would time travel probably back to ancient Rome. Sure. Um, It's tough to pick a time period from them because there was a lot of great rulers outside of Marcus Aurelius and, like, um, Cato and Nero. The common stoic rulers. Yeah, the stoic rulers. You you got Caesar. Like, you've got a lot of great leader. Well, maybe some people don't perceive him as great, but you've got certainly influential leaders um, throughout the... But I would probably pick around 160 AD because it's right smack dab in the middle of ancient Rome. It's right before Aurelius becomes emperor and he's like working on meditations. He's working on other books. You've already had Seneca and earlier Mm -hmm. Greek Stoics. You have that influence. And so it's kind of just being built upon. And for me, it would be an interesting time outside of just like the Stoic stuff. Obviously... I would sit and talk with Aurelius, like I would sit and talk with Stoic philosophers and be great to have like those one-on-one conversations and ignoring like all the like disrupting the timeline fabric Mm -hmm. stuff, that jargon. Sure. I would ask him about like common day issues and like what he would think, Mm -hmm. see if Aurelius would have a stroke when I told him what Snapchat was. Oh yeah. (laughs) I doubt he would even understand. Um, But outside of like the Stoic stuff, just the architecture, you know, going to the Colosseum, going to... um, had good food back then too, i know man. like just Culture. all of the technology that was available to them and that they were improvising and that they yeah. were making all the advancements that they were making with architecture technology like you name yeah. it art 
all of that would just be a great experience, I think, to kind of gather a more historical perspective and things sure. about where we come from. And also it would be because we're in the middle, I feel like I'm not a historical expert, so I may not be qualified to see this, but it would kind of be a time where you could start to see kind of the cracks in the foundation. And I think mm. in a time where it's as rocky politically as it is in America, it would also be interesting for me to compare kind of like the cracks in the foundation that we're sure. seeing in both situations. I think that's valid to say. And it's not me making a political statement. I think anybody, both sides of the aisle, not political, whatever, can say that we're kind of in a dire place politically. Mm-hmm. And Rome maybe wasn't in a dire place, but you could certainly start to see the cracks. So I think sure. I could fill my days with Stoic philosophy. Yeah. I could fill my face with food. I could go to the Colosseum. I could look at architecture. Watch gladiator fights. Yeah, like I oh, could yeah. do so much in ancient Rome that it would definitely be my top choice. Well, that's, it's interesting you say that because I also would go back in time like you would, except I wouldn't go back nearly as far i would i would go back to the late 1800s to the early 1900s and this would be to me and i would be going to mexico uh where emiliano zapata grew up and he grew up i believe it was like 40 miles south of what is now mexico city but so emiliano zapata being a person of hispanic heritage this really speaks to me so he was a mexican revolutionist and his ultimate i would say his big quote that um, describes what he preached and what he believed in was I want to die as a slave to principles not to men now he was definitely revolutionary against the government because he was like if people can't have justice then neither should the government and I think that's a very true statement even today and this is my personal opinion but I think you know if the in our country if the people have the power if the people don't have the power then neither or don't have equality or justice or fair fair living i know life isn't fair but just basic rights then you know the people in power shouldn't just be able to stand above right and so he says after that he says it's better to die upon your feet than to live upon your knees and it's funny because this was actually my senior quote that i was going to put into the yearbook and it was rejected now i can see why it would be rejected it's okay to laugh a little bit but you know (laughs) i i really truly believe this especially as a stoic that it's much better to die an honorable death than to live your entire life in a state of guilt or shame and coward, cowardly, um, in a cowardly state. So, you know, again, yeah, being a person of Hispanic heritage, I think that part would just really speak to me. It's a great quote. So it's a really, it's a really great quote. Um, no, I think that's, that's a, that's a cool answer. I know. Um, I think a lot of people would answer that, you know, they'd go back in time, see their ancestors, see kind of where they sure. come from. And I think that's um, that's a nice answer. And it's also a stoic answer. I think I share the opinion that, you know, if everybody lacks, if the bottom lacks basic rights, then the top doesn't deserve to be even at the top. Sure. I think we talked about a little bit about leadership. And I think it's the responsibility mm-hmm. of leaders, um, especially leaders of something as big as the United States of America sure. or any country. <clears throat> Um, to put the rights and the needs of their citizens even right. above their own and to serve to their greatest capacity. And I, don't, I feel like we've kind of failed as a country at that. Sure. And it would be good to see another example of that and kind well, of how the citizens reacted. That's exactly what Cato did when he was at war. You know, Cato the Younger, he slept in his tents um, alongside his soldiers because he was all about gestures. And in displaying the gesture of, I am with you, even though I am your leader, I still see you as my equal because we are all in this together, I think. 
you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I think this is very important. Um, so moving, moving on, uh, we were going to talk about the external and the internal uh, factors about labels and how they can change. So I'll be covering the external um, portion of this. So how labels can imply societal norms into your circumstance, like outside expectations. So first and foremost, you have to ask yourself when you're labeling something, what comes with this label? Now, I'll use some pretty standard uh, examples. The first one being dating in a relationship. Putting the label of we are dating or you are my boyfriend. What what comes with that? I think personally for me, I see, oh, we're dating now. Now we have the responsibility to constantly be, you know, talking to each other and checking up on one another. And that's not a bad thing. You know, that's, that's a very mature thing and a great dynamic to have in a relationship. However, in like we said in today's society, you know, I don't feel like a lot of people know their purpose. So if you're not content with yourself, you won't be content with other people. Another example would be my mentor, Alex. He says this. Um, if you look at the sunset and you say, that's a beautiful sunset, you're going to look at the sunset tomorrow and it may be different. And it may not look as, quote, beautiful as the previous one did. Now, what he says is just look at the sunset and say, it just is. The sunset is. It simply is existing instead of labeling it as beautiful. So when you see one, uh, sunsets in the future, you're not going to be like, oh, but it's not as beautiful as that one. Well, then you're taking away the importance and the the beauty in its own way of this certain thing. Well, and I think that analogy could also be certainly applied to people. I think um, we have we each individually have a concept of what beauty is. Yeah. But imagine if we made it malleable and so that it wasn't a label to where it's like, you know, um, you know, she or he has to be this, this, and this. They have to yeah. have these qualities instead of, and usually they're physical. Like more often than not, they are physical qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, especially at this age, I think yeah. we're not at a level of maturity where it really is about personality. And by using um, those labels, you know, objectively and mm-hmm. making markers, you're kind of both eliminating options and you're just kind of ruining what the concept of beauty is and i think if you apply that label to humans in terms of you know it is just what it is let me get to know it first let me get to know that person first observe their qualities kind of see how they react in different situations before i apply the label well that that reminds me of this quote that seneca says he says um what really frightens and dismays us is not external events themselves but the way in which we think about them it is not the things that disturb us but our interpretation um, of their significance so like we were saying when we talk about beauty and how beauty can look different for everybody it's not that beauty is what dismays us it's the way that we interpret it the way that we perceive life is ultimately just a bunch of perceptions and how we see the outside world that's why we label things now when you're applying an extra and you're applying a label and it comes with all these societal norms and expectations you're subconsciously regis- registering a thing, place, or person into your mind is fixed and it's unable to change, like it's permanent. Thus, you're doing yourself a disservice by blinding yourself to change in what simply just is, simply existing. And that's where Marcus Rayleigh says, if you are distressed by anything external, the pain is not due to the thing itself, but your estimate of it. And this, you have the power to revoke it at any moment. Therefore, I think it is safe to say that 
when you see something or you're going to make a decision, you're going to put a label on it. You just simply have to see it for what it is. A relationship is an exchange of value between two people. It shouldn't come with all these societal norms or expectations because that's like saying a standardized test is fitting for all students when we know it's not. Well, and I think, especially the quote by Aurelius, it kind of brings me to the point like, labels don't have any power over you. Why would you let them have power over you? Certainly, they may be how some people perceive you, but in reality, who cares? Who cares how other people see you? Exactly. Who cares if people see you as a flirt because you're a nice and kind person? Who cares if people see you as intelligent because you like to, you know, um, improve yourself um, with intelligence, with vocab, with research, sure. and you like to apply that to both school and to helping others? Like, who ultimately cares? Exactly. If you're going to allow other people to have power over you just simply on how you perceive you, how they perceive you, right? ultimately you're not going to have a lot of success in the real world because you're going to run into people who don't like you even when you're doing right. great things. You're going to run into people who are going to criticize you at every single point. And so I think at an age in high school and college, Gen Z, when you are getting labels thrown around like crazy and you're going to fall into a certain one no matter what, it's important to learn at this age that labels have right. no power over you. Perception has no power over you. And I think yeah. that's what we're trying to impart. You're going to be judged regardless if you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing. So you might as well succeed. You know, and that goes with praise as well. If something is good and it's praised, does that make it any more good than what it really is? You know, it's it's false. It's this false sense of validation, whether it's negative or positive, you know, that truthfully doesn't have any real mm -hmm. value to what it's being what's being criticized or what's being praised right imagine imagine the shock of the people when you break a label because you didn't care and you're just going to go about your day right. imagine the shock of people when you don't care exactly. too many people care too many right. people feed into it exactly. without being like i'm not this don't react and if you don't if you don't let something have power over you if you believe that you are more powerful than these things, then it's not going to matter. It's e it's very easy to succumb to these expectations and these labels and these negative um, terms that are used to describe you. But if you don't let them have power over you, it's simply just a mental game. All these problems you're creating in your mind don't actually exist in the real world. Just let the rumors roll in as they will. Let the perception roll in as they will. You have no control over that. Control the things you can do. And... Mm -hmm. Um, don't allow them, whether they're rumors or negative, to break you down. And don't exactly. allow, like, whether they're positive ones or not, don't feel like you have to live up absolutely to them. Mm -hmm. Live up to them how you would want to see yourself live up to them, not how others would. And I think we're going to um, kind of flip it. Yeah. If, ru if rumors, if labels, if all these societal perceptions don't matter when they're applied to you, why should you be applying them to others? Right. I think if they hold no value to you on the other side, they should also hold no value when you're thinking about others. Now, I'll certainly start out with a disclaimer that it is really just human nature to have mm -hmm. some labels. I think every person, you've heard the term implicit bias. Yeah. Every person is born with kind of a, just a human nature set of mm -hmm. ideas, biases um, about certain people. Right. And I think... Well, it helps us understand. Right. It helps us perceive. And you can certainly control that, but only to a point. So yeah. I think um, sitting here and saying, you know, don't ever use labels. That's impossible. It's... Yeah, it's, that's not a feasible... Statement. But what we're saying is, like, these kind of labels, like labeling a group as, like, the popular group or labeling right. somebody just based on, like, one experience with them or a story you hear, <clears throat> the trivial labeling, that's what we would like you to eliminate. That's what we would advise that you eliminate. But if you have 
you know, you're talking with somebody, you meet them for the first time, for example, you know, and, and they seem rude or they seem mean, but you don't consider, you know, maybe they have a bad day or maybe it's just your perception, mm-hmm. right? Imagine the opportunities you miss because you label them as that and then don't want to hang out with mm-hmm. them again. Mm-hmm. It could turn out a person that you ultimately down the road w- would love to hang out with, would sure. love as a friend, would love platonically, or even right. would build a relationship with. Right. But because you use that one-time judgment or that one story or just mm-hmm. that one example to put a label on them, right. you eliminate so many possibilities mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, Abraham Lincoln, who is not a Stoic, but I think has a good quote around this, says that, um, they are what we ultimately would be in their situation. I think another factor of labels is that what it really is is just us projecting our flaws and what we think other people Projection. think of us. Yeah, yeah, projection, for sure. Ultimately, you have to put um, others, you have to put yourself in other shoes, yep. right? Um, labels turn observations into judgment, but we, what we as Stoics teach, what ancient Stoics teach is that to use observations for empathy and understanding. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a lot of Stoicism is observation-based and making judgments upon. Right. But you go beyond what a judgment is. You use it to seek understanding. You use it to exactly. uh, exemplify empathy, and you use it to either build the person up, teach the person, or just acknowledge the person's flaws, but not get angry at them, not use sure. your emotions with them. Well, I think, like you were saying, it's for empathy and understanding a really good example of that would be like if I, me personally, I'm not I'm not a partier, you know, mm-hmm. I, I don't really engage in that. So if I were to see someone that I was potentially interested in having a relationship with, then they were out partying. I wouldn't be like, oh, they are careless. They're whatever. I would, I would just simply be like, they don't align with what I believe in. Thus, I wouldn't pursue, I wouldn't go out of my way, you know, unless the opportunity was presented. So, well, and it's also the thing where I'm the same way where I'm not a big partier, but from my perception and now I'm not big into giving like second chances, but as long as it's not like a deal breaker behavior, like I wouldn't, and we're kind of getting on a tangent, but I wouldn't see somebody going to a party as like an absolute deal breaker. Um, but it's something where you can kind of turn that one time thing into like, letting it see, like maybe, you know, they go to a party like once every often. Sure. Like I'm not a big partier, but I'll go like once in a blue moon. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's the same situation. So you kind of let it play out, but then if that person goes every single weekend, right. I think at that point, then you can kind of turn to that where, you know, it's like they don't align with me. Right. And I, I guess I should have specified, like, just doing something one time doesn't define you, obviously. And the, again, that would be labeling, you know, mm-hmm. oh, they're a partier because they partied one time. No, it's it's you have to notice and uh, distinguish the this, the patterns, the repeated habits in someone, and then you can sort of determine if they align with what you're doing or not. And that's exactly right with uh, the point that, you know, it's totally okay to do things in moderation, I guess, like you were talking about, you know, we wouldn't go every single weekend, but if it was like a few times a year, maybe, you know, it's not detrimental to you, to your physical or mental health to do those things. Well, and it's also important um, as a stoic to look at how you labor yourself also just yourself now, obviously, we've gone over quite clearly how labels hurt other people and how you shouldn't use them, and you should give them the opportunity to explore that person. Every person wants to be treated with respect. Every person wants to be able to kind of flush themselves out and show all the different qualities they have. So allow other people to do the same. Allow other people to do the same exact thing. Um, but also control how you label yourself internally and how you label yourself to other people. I use the example, you look at Seneca, you look at um, zero. Zeno, you look at Marcus Aurelius, you look at all these famous Stoic Mm -hmm. philosophers, not once do you see them describe themselves as a Stoic. 
or even really as an important person. Mm -hmm. They just kind of write for a service to kind of impart their wisdom. They aren't concerned with labeling themselves as something. Right. So why should you be concerned about labeling yourself as something either? Right. It's for Stoics, we emphasize constant growth, right? Right. Labels imply permanence. Exactly. And so by labeling yourself, you're setting a rigid kind of box that you can fit within instead of something that you can grow out of or grow into. Sure. I, you're, it's funny you say that because you, say, you said that they don't label themselves, and you're exactly right. They, it's living virtuously and having your actions speak louder than your words. Like, they never wrote, like, I am this great leader. Mm-hmm. The reason they write is to better understand themselves, to better understand the world around them, and just to put it down. Also, it's very important to know that if, if I see someone talking about how great of a person they are versus someone actually, like, for example, if you were saying, oh, I'm super, I give back to my community all the time versus if I just saw someone picking up trash after a basketball game or something like that. I'd be, it'd be so much easier to believe and understand that the person doing the action is that type of person, not labeling them as a um, generous person, but as seeing as someone who lives virtuously, right? Um, I think as we wrap up today's episode, we've kind of covered both sides of what a label does. And I think it's pretty clear to both Stoics and just to the general public what a label does and the harms that it has. And so as you listen to this episode and as we close, um, if you take away anything from this label, from if you take away anything from this video, it's just to avoid labels as much as you can. And when labels are thrown upon you, think about that it's outside of your control and not let it have power over you. Don't let things outside of your control have power over you. And that certainly applies to labels. And then uh, with that, we would just like to do a thank you to our international listeners. Uh, We've gained another like two or three countries um, since our last episode. Um, It's great to see people all around the world engaging with this type of content. We really believe that there is a shift in the paradigm and just a just a movement uh, within our generation that's starting to understand the importance of philosophy and virtuous living. Um, therefore, we encourage you to share this podcast with your friends and your family and your dog and their uncle and the goldfish and everybody you know, uh, because you know if they don't listen to it, okay. But if they do, it really could change their lives. That's that's our whole purpose behind this. Right. It's our goal to reach as many people in a positive way as possible. Mm-hmm. And that starts with just reaching people simply. Yep. We're always going to try to do right by our, by our listeners. We're always trying to contribute to a positive community. And when you share it with other people and they listen, they get to join our community. Exactly. And we welcome them with open arms. So on that note, uh, this has been Episode 7 of the Gen Z Stoic Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you.